Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am so honored that you are here becoming the conscious mama you were born to be. I'm really excited to have Roseanne Austin on the podcast today. We get really raw and honest of what we discovered at the end of our journeys when we both got pregnant naturally at a much mature age than most doctors think is possible. And um, the wisdom and knowledge that we wish we had at the beginning, but we're really excited to share with you guys now. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. When I started my journey, like I would have had zero idea about where it would actually lead me. You know, when I started this journey, I was a prosecutor in Sonoma County. I was the lead trial attorney in a specialized sexual assault unit. And my husband and I were like, hey, it's time to start our family. Like we were, it's when I first met him, I was like, my ovaries were like, ooh, 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 you know, and and I, but I, I can't say that I was a woman that always wanted to have kids. I, mm-hmm. I, I saw myself as somebody that was more of a lone wolf in that sense, but there's something magical when the universe sends you this person and you just want to have more of that, more of that love. And so I was not surprised when we decided, you know, that I was like, when he wanted to start trying, I'm like, okay, let's do this, you know, which was surprising to me and things just weren't working. And at that point in my life, I had taken on the paradigm that because I was older, as we had discussed in in the episode that you and I did, like anyone over 35 is allegedly older, right? I had this fear. I was like, whoa, you know, what's going to happen now? I mean, my husband's five years younger than me, which also compounded my stress because I was like, oh, he picked an old bird, you know? And so it's, I'm inherently going to be this problematic fertility case. But I had no reason to believe that, Monica. I had Mm -hmm. nothing on paper other than my age, which, as we discussed previously, is but one piece of information. Yeah. And I took that and just kind of went crazy with all of that. You know, we tried naturally for like four minutes. Uh, You know, just kidding. But like, you know, in, you know, the larger spectrum, I was just so terrified that I was going to let him down that as soon as, you know, because we didn't get pregnant immediately, I was like, I I started 
everything that made me successful as a prosecutor, I started applying to my journey, which is both tragic and telling at mm -hmm. the same time about where I was. I, I didn't pay any attention to the stuff that you were talking about. Okay. All I wanted was somebody to fix me. And so I just went from zero to 60. I didn't take like interim steps, Monica. I went straight to a reproductive endocrinologist because I was like, there's something tragically wrong with me. At the time, I didn't realize that what that came from was a generalized sense of unworthiness. Mm -hmm. Like I did not feel worthy at my core yeah. to have what I wanted. And so every choice that I made from that point forward until I woke up to my own trauma and my own um, stories that I was telling myself, I can trace it back. It's like the lines all, like the dots all connect that it came from not feeling like enough, all the, the just intense stress, the hurry up. The somebody just fix me. I'm broken. I'm too old. I'm not good enough for this man. All of this garbage. That was the stage. That was the foundation of my journey. And it doesn't surprise me that my son wasn't coming because I was a freaking mess. Mm -hmm. Like I was a freaking mess. And everything that I was, all the choices I was making were fear based. And so. We did a round of IVF, which is hilarious too, because there was no IUI. There was nothing in the middle. It just went trying naturally for four minutes and then straight in IVF. Nobody telling me to pump the brakes. Nobody encouraging me. Hey, why don't you consider the stress you're under? Why don't you consider the fact that you tried 13 cases in you know 12 months or whatever the hell it was at the time? Or gee, maybe watching interviews with survivors of sexual assault might be trauma for you. Like none mm -hmm. of those things came into my awareness. It was just, I'm old, I'm broken, fix me. Yeah. And that started an odyssey that frankly changed my life on so many levels, not just because I was struggling and that was the first time in my life I couldn't outwork it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that's what I was good at outworking. Mm -hmm. yeah. I could outwork any mofo around me. Okay. Nobody was going to beat me when it came to work, but this journey has no direct correlation between how hard you're working and the outcome. Nope. In fact, it's inverse. Mm -hmm. At least that's what, that was my experience. And I see this all the time with my clients and yeah, that's when I stumbled upon this mind thing yeah. because what I realized, and you probably see this in your practice too where here's this organ, your brain, and it it's connected to our body, but we're not told that. It sounds so insane. It sounds so obvious to us, but we're told that there's what's going on in our head is not going to affect our body. Yeah. You know, Which we're led ridiculous. to- yeah. yeah. Well, we're led to believe we can out diet, we can out supplement, we can out exercise and we can outwork this. Mm -hmm. You can't. Yeah. You can't. It's deeper and it's bigger. And when you get your mind right, when you start thinking like a woman who succeeds, then things change. Yeah. Yeah. 
what was the slap in the face like when you realized you didn't have the self-worth or maybe the self-love that the rest of the world would have easily looked at you and been like, you have that. Of course you have it. Look at you. You're you're in this pink lipstick. You're a successful prosecutor. <laughs> you have this, the man, you know, you have all the things. How can you be that way? What was like that for you, that realization? Oh, beautiful question. It really brought, see, because inside I felt like a fraud. Mm-hmm. And inside, I felt like, holy shit, if anyone saw what was going on inside of me, all of the external, they would see me for who I really was, this mess. And and it's funny because I think a lot of women who don't feel worthy will overachieve Mm -hmm. in order to get what they think is going to be the thing that finally makes them feel confident right? Because we've been masterful at masking that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my black theory suits with my Hermes scarf and Manolo Blahniks, I 100% looked the part, 100%. But I was really broken inside. I would look at, I mean, the kind of uh, kabuki theater that I had going on in my head comparing myself to every woman that I saw I mean heaven forbid I would see a pregnant woman and I would I would be like what does she have that I don't Mm -hmm. right like you know I'm 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 getting these horrible sexual predators you know taking them through the system and getting these dangerous people locked up you know as my job as a prosecutor and I'm still not good enough to do this biological basic. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the way that I saw it. This is how ruthless I was is I was like, I cannot do this biological basic that I see crackheads coming into the courtroom every single day with multiple kids. And I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So what it did was create this, this storm of inadequacy, the storm of self-loathing, the storm of self-hatred at times and despair And there were times when I actually said to myself, like, wow, should I tell my husband to go find somebody else? Because I might not be able to give him this thing that we both want so dearly. Mm -hmm. So going back to your original question, it, it created in me an existential crisis. Like I, and I don't think that that is an overstatement when I think about what that slap in the face was like and really the the lasting impact in my life from realizing that wow I didn't feel worthy mm-hmm. it's eye-opening yeah and I feel like I don't know what switch or button or level or where you are in your journey that you surrender and accept that and go, how do I get out of that? Because mm-hmm. I think once you realize that, you know it's an inside job. You know the IVF clinic can't do it. You know that your courtroom can't do it. You know your husband can't do it. You know that all those external things that you were basically giving your power to and getting your quote unquote self-worth from weren't gonna do it anymore. And now you have to do it. 
but you don't yeah. think you're worthy of it. And you're just like, holy shit, where do I start? <laughs> yeah. So where did you start? So this is when I really had, this was a breakthrough that I had. And it. I talk about this in my books. I talk about it on my podcast that I had just received a guilty verdict in one of the you know, most high profile cases that I prosecuted. And I remember leaning up against the wall in my office. I could, cause I had just received, so I got the verdict and then I got the result from my IVF. Oh God. And then, like, I mean, within minutes, it was uncanny. And I, you know, one of, when I get stressed, it I feel hot all of a sudden. So when I leaned back on the wall, I could feel that cold cement wall up against my back. And I realized something needs to change. It really needs to change. And I have changed so many things, Monica. Like I I was doing all the treatments, diets, lotions, potions. I was driving, you know, hundreds of miles every week. Mm -hmm. I was doing the acupuncture. I was steaming my vagina. I was going to San Francisco's. Chinatown to buy a very specific chicken mm -hmm. that I could boil weekly. Of course, it had its head and its claws. Okay. So my husband thought I had just completely lost my shit, you know? And so I was doing all of these insane things. And it came to me that, okay, what's the one thing that is out of alignment? What's the one thing that isn't clean, that isn't, um, you know, perfect right because no gluten had passed my lips in years right mm -hmm. like it was just I was doing all the things I was being an a-plus student and it occurred to me it was me yeah and that was both terrifying and empowering at the same time mm -hmm. I don't know if you were going to divide that up into percentages I'm not sure like where that would land but loving a challenge and being a problem solver and being someone who's not going to take no for an answer. I mean, that was my natural inclination. Like, don't mess with it. That's why I was so successful as a prosecutor is I was a pit bull. So I said, if I really want this, I have to be willing to look in this place. I have to be willing to pick up that rock and look at all the creepy crawlies underneath it so that I would not look back on this time in my life with regret because that was the thing that scared the shit out of me yeah was regret because mm -hmm. professionally I mean where else was I gonna go Monica I was at the top of my game I mean like unless I wanted to uh you know run for public office there really wasn't much else for me mm -hmm. professionally in that career um at least nowhere that I could see at the time and so I was, I was thinking of myself, like, okay, what am I going to say to myself at the end of my life? Like, honestly, there wasn't ever a fight that I would back down from. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to suck it up, get past my own ego and take a look at me. Yeah. And that's where, that's really where things started to shift and shift exponentially. They did. Yeah. In all areas of life right? It's, it's not just the fertility stuff. And, you know, when my clients come to me and it's fairly obvious that it's subconscious mind stuff, it's like, okay, here is a trauma timeline. 
let's start mapping it. And they're like, well, I don't have any big traumas. I it, Great. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Neither did I. So I'm going to help you through this because you've had all these little things add up in your life to get you where you are. So ready to open Pandora's box? And some clients <laughs> say, no, they're not. And some clients are like, fuck, I guess. Don't really want to, but like you and myself, they're like, I'm I'm at the end of my journey if I don't try anything else because I can't go on with the diet, with the supplements, with the IVF. Like I feel like there's something in me that needs to shift. And what most people willing to keep walking forward realize that it has nothing to do with the pregnancy and the baby. And it has everything to do with their internal worth and self-love. Um, but nobody wants to hear that, Monica. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. And I brought something up the other day on TikTok. And of course, I got a comment like, I know you didn't mean this, but you're just putting more guilt and shame on the woman. And it's like, when, when is the time where you start taking responsibility for your triggers? Because that's where you have to look. The moment you get triggered over anything in life, it doesn't matter if it's wrong, right? And what we've deemed as a society as wrong. If it triggers you to the point where you're, like you say, you get hot, your blood's boiling, you're, you start creating all these stories around it. Like if that's where you need to go grab a mirror and go, what the fuck is going on? Why does this trigger me so much? Right. Right. I mean, and, you know, to your, you know, to the point about mirrors, I mean, people are reflection, mm -hmm. right, of, you know, the the people that you call into your life, the experiences that you call into a, your life are a reflection of where you're at energetically. It's match, it's your frequency, right? You're putting this out. So what do you think you're going to get back? Now, to your point also from a troll that would tell you, you know, you're blaming, no, you're not. How is it blaming someone to show them how they can empower themselves? Yeah. How is that blame? I, I That's an act of love where you love and care about somebody enough to show them something. It's ultimately their decision, whether or not they choose to receive it. But I think the more problematic thing is to be silent. Mm-hmm. I mean, something like it, it's funny because women either love or hate my podcast. They, it, it's one or the other. There's no me, you know, there's no in between. And that's intentional. Yeah. Because when I'm working with women, I only focus on women who are committed to succeed. Mm -hmm. okay? It's not about perfection, but it is about getting past their own blocks. Are they willing to do that? And Absolutely. are they, yeah. And like, and are they willing to to do what it takes because i mean look i've seen women from ages 28 to 52 get and stay pregnant if that doesn't show you what's possible when you get your mind on board when you stop judging when you stop making yourself wrong for what you want i don't know what you, people need to hear right like yeah. women come to me all the time they're like well but i'm xyz age and i'm like all right what does yeah. that have to do with what we're talking about? Yeah. What do you think is 
that tipping point for people. Do you feel like you can explain it all? I feel like I can't explain it. I like, they're just, I mean, the only thing I can say is you're tired of your own bullshit. So (laughs) you're ready to make a move. But what, I mean, what do you think gets people to that point, right? I mean, years of struggle or like, like what? You know, I think like if I was going to put it in a precise and concise way, I would say that the tipping point would be that they love the vision for their lives more than they love the comfort of their fear. Yeah. It's just that simple. Like when, when I was at the point where I realized it was me, because otherwise, like I'll be 50 this year. Okay. Like I don't look my age. I certainly don't act my age. And so I was re I rejected the idea that the, that the thing that was preventing me from having my son was my age. Like you and I had talked earlier about that inner knowing. Mm-hmm. that intuition. And I remember being in a doctor's office and was told I needed donor eggs at the time I was 37. I did not, I didn't have a logical or linear reason on paper from the system to believe this, but my soul screamed, no, Mm-hmm. My soul screamed no, and it wasn't even a, a story about donor eggs. Like, I got nothing on donor eggs. I think it's a wonderful gift that another woman can give somebody who who makes that conscious choice, wants that, and is open to it. No judgment. But my body was shrieking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I got to tell you, I mean, that was back in the day, Monica, where the kind of conversation that you and I are having, I would have thought was straight up witchcraft feminine. <laughs> okay. Like I would have said, these two bitches do not know what they're talking about. Yep. Um, they're fools, but the proof is in the pudding mm-hmm. because when I took control and really saw, oh shit wow, it's me. It really is me. And and I, I started doing an inventory of the internal monologue. See, because I hadn't made the distinction that what was going on in my head, I had a choice whether or not I wanted to believe that. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. And I saw myself as a bag of organs as opposed to a complete system, right? So when I started looking at myself from a whole perspective, it changed everything. And I was pregnant for the first time three weeks later. It was the very first IVF cycle I had ever had that worked. Okay. Where Mm -hmm. I actually had a pregnancy. Now I didn't carry that baby to term, but what it taught me was I could have an impact. And I'm telling you, it just rocked my world. It actually got me excited. And, you know, yes, my heart was broken. I was carriage. I was in a dark room for two weeks watching Downton Abbey and like subsisting on Tylenol. Okay. And the good Tylenol, not, not the like over the counter shit. I was like in pain. So, but what I held on to during that time was I could have an impact. I could change. I could be different. And I could be the woman that my son needed me to be. Yeah, absolutely. 
It's that little mind shift changed and looking at the quote unquote failures as success. Like, so my first pregnancy was my first miscarriage too. And yes, you're heartbroken. It's a shitty time. But I, that whole time I was like, I can get pregnant. I can get pregnant. Look at what I can do. And so moving that energy of like, I can, I will. And it just, you know, I had more failures than I succeeded. But I oh, looked 100%. at every failure as a success. It was a stepping stone, right? Yeah. And yeah. if you're able to do that with your journey, obviously honor your feelings, honor those emotions, have those shitty dark times, right? But notice how long you're staying there and notice yeah. what story you're creating around that. And um, I think Absolutely. it just empowers you even more and you eventually get to your ultimate goal and that all looks very different for people, right? We're definitely both not sitting here saying like, everyone's going to get pregnant naturally the moment you change your mindset, but you're opening up possibilities that I did not know were open to me. Like for me, I didn't even believe for most of my journey, I could even get pregnant. The thought that I could get pregnant naturally almost never entered my mind but I just kept going anyways. I didn't need the, I have a post that says like, I didn't wait for the evidence. My consistent action created my evidence. Ooh, that's so good. (laughs) I love that. I But it's, it's truth and it's resonant because it is truth. Yeah. I mean, anyone listening to this and when you said that they feel it, it's because it's true. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, you know, after all of those years, and and it's interesting, Monica, because after I had that miscarriage, after with our, the last of our embryos, it was our very last IVF. I said no to further treatment with so much confidence. Mm -hmm. Like I just knew that those medical interventions were over. They never found anything wrong with me or my husband. They all the the only thing they ever said they was that it was unexplained and it must be my age. So at that point, I also had a spiritual awakening, which is very interesting too, because I was very divorced from my spirituality. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I don't need that shit. If, if if I've got medicine, I don't need no spirituality, you know. But you know, what I call Gus, God, universe, source had been pounding on my front door. Yeah. That's the whole time trying to wake me up. Yeah. Saying, woman, I, you know, like there were so many signs, Monica, and this is where, and it's such a, it's so refreshing to be able to have this kind of conversation because you know, it's not woo woo. There's nothing woo woo about any of this. Yeah. It's so freaking logical you want to scream that if more women understood this then they wouldn't have to live their journey in abject terror okay it's one thing to have you know momentary fear we're human you have i mean unless you've had a fucking lobotomy you're gonna have fear right and and fear is not a bad thing it's instructive there's a lot of constructive things to do with it but when i realized how much impact i could have and it, it was just incredible. So I went from miscarriage to, if I'm doing the math, like two and a half years, approximately 
like I was pregnant with my son naturally at almost 43 mm-hmm. after years of treatment failure. Yep. Years. Right. So to our earlier point, I was more fertile in my forties than I was in my thirties. Yep. But for me, that was because of this. That was because of this thing that sits under my hats, my brain, right? Looking at myself, changing the way that I looked at who I was completely. And we are going to end it right there today. Come back in a few days time for episode two with Roseanne Austin. If you want to check her out, you know where all of her details are down in the show notes. Have a beautiful week and we will see you soon. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.